Today's episode of Better Call Saul is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com has the greatest products for looking good. They have all the geeky stuff. Man, if you want like a Star Wars tie pin, you want some Cufflinks that have the Captain America shield, Game of Thrones, all the sports teams, college sports teams, they have everything to add that little touch to make you look great. So look awesome when you step out the door tomorrow. Go to cufflinks.com, use code DVR20 today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Better Call Saul. My name is Axel. My co-host, of course, is Mr. Heath Sentazo. We have a wonderful guest that I'm going to introduce very shortly. But first, I just want to remind you that we're going to be here each and every week for the final both parts of the final season of Better Call Saul. You can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. Also consider supporting us and becoming a patron at patreon.com slash DVR and send us an email. We got some feedback from Reginald that I'm going to get into a little bit later, but that email is DVRpodcast at gmail.com. So we know Heath is here. Say hi, Heath. Hi, Heath. All right, Heath is here, and we have a, a very special guest. He's a he's a professional podcaster. His name is Bubba. How you doing, Bubba? Axel, Heath, I am so honored that you guys had me on this episode of Better Call Saul. It's it's an important episode of Better Call Saul. I mean, it was. Let's be honest. It was Nacho's lucky day. Where you know (laughs) it was, and 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 sadly, Nacho got it on a cool ranch. Hello, oh, hello. I was trying, Bubba. I was trying to figure out how to throw cool ranch in there, and you did it. Thank you. I got so uh, that was way too soon, listeners. I'm trying to lighten the mood because we are all depressed after this episode of Better Call Saul. But I am uh, very honored to be here with two podcasting legends. Ethan Axel. So thank you guys. Can't wait to dive in. Yeah. It's all, but also tell everybody where they can find you. Double P, the website, the Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Cause you guys do amazing podcasts and I want everyone to start listening to you. If they're not already, please do. You can find us, <laughs> find me with my terrible jokes on a <laughs> that I like those nacho jokes. <laughs> Now, let's be honest. This episode was nacho business, and it certainly had a nacho problem. But you can find terrible jokes like that on our podcast feed. We're at Double PHQ for Double Podcast Headquarters. That's at Double PHQ on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash Double PHQ on the social media app that Elon Musk wants to buy at Double PHQ. And we talk about great TV shows just like Axel does here on daily. Yep, yep. And also a lot of, t- you have catfish over there and Matt too, mm-hmm. our yeah. old friend, Occasion- Matt Murdoch. Double right, yeah. yeah, baby. Yep, Has more come back for uh, the strain uh, revival series or no? <laughs> Sadly, no Mork. Uh, is a, a movie producer. He doesn't like me saying some of this stuff. He was a writer's assistant on the popular sitcom friends way back in the uh, beginning of the 2000s. So uh, he's deep into work, 
but you can hear his voice on some of our older podcasts as well. So yeah, we got a crazy shout out as to characters that uh, are always fun to listen to. That's awesome. So everyone go check them out. But tonight we're going to talk about someone who checked out and that see, look, I can do it too. That is of course our friend Nacho. We're going to get right into Mm -hmm. it. I mean, that's what this episode is going to be remembered for. When I went back and rewatched and took notes and I realized they they really kept the Jimmy and Kim story. They, it's like they were kind of honoring the character of Nacho, really letting him have a bunch of amazing scenes with by himself, with different people. The last scene, of course, was phenomenal. Um, and they, like I said, there wasn't really with the Jimmy and Kim. It was like a little thing, a little progression. They tried. They didn't get too deep into what's going on with them either. They could, they really focused it on Nacho and actually to start out before we talk about it, I want to give, uh, some of our friends over on the Facebook page, a chance to talk because I do post over there at daily DVR. Just look up daily DVR. If you want to join, we had some thoughts first, Andy, I audibly gasped. At one point, he's trying not to spoil it. If you've seen it, it's obvious it's when Nacho dies. What an amazing episode of television. I responded, I screamed out very loud, which was weird because it was midnight and I was alone with headphones on. So that really was true. Um, Gina yelled out, no. Gareth says, my jaw dropped. Uh, my old friend, Michelle, who I went to school with when I was a little kid, I was bracing for something, expecting the whole episode. I was wishing, wishing Nacho would go into hiding or follow his, his dad's advice. I had no idea he would take the path he did, but it makes sense that he controlled that moment for himself. Ooh, great point. Gina says, what a speech he gave right before I'm rewatching breaking bad. And coincidentally, just got to the episode where the twins bite it. Yep. So you get a little bit of joy out of that. Jeff Welsh says, gut punch episode that twists you up inside. Another brilliant job by cast, crew, and editors. Jenny, our old friend Jenny. I'm so sad, but Gina's right. What a speech. Surprisingly, even to myself, I didn't make a sound. Internal monologue when something like, oh, man, no, that sucks balls. Sad face though I feel felt much sadder than that conveys. Holly, Holly Hunt says at least I won't hey. have yeah, at least I won't have to worry anymore. Bill Kava brings it around with something that I did not even really notice. I missed this in my in the first watch. The piece of glass from when Gus dropped the glass last week. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone, for chiming in on the Facebook. You can join our Facebook group and chime in. But uh, let's hear from you guys. Bubba, what was your reaction to Nacho taking his own life, the speech he gave? Let's get right into it. What was your reaction to it as you were watching? Did you expect it? What do you say? I The episode sells very hard that this is the last episode of Nacho. Nacho gets a last meal, it feels like, a little past halfway point of the episode. And so there wasn't any logical way. I may have been doing what the writers were doing in the writer's room a couple years ago when they were writing this season, trying to figure out how could we save him? 
but there just wasn't a way. There just wasn't a logical way. So the fact that they allowed the character to pass on on his own terms in a very brave and defiant way in a show like this, that's kind of the best death you could, you could ask for. And if you think about better call Saul deaths in particular, you have the, you know, the true tragic death uh, an uncomfortable death of Chuck. And so this, another major character passing on it, to me, it doesn't have that tragedy because Nacho took so much control of his own destiny. And so, it was heartbreaking because he's a great actor, and I'm sure actor Heath will talk about that in a bit, but it's where the story was heading, and so I'm glad he went out on his own terms. Yeah, Heath. Well said. Yeah, I mean, I did predict it. He would die in our pre-show, though I thought they would have saved it for like the mid-season finale, but watching this episode, I was like, there's no way they can drag this out. Um, it, as much as I love Nacho, I would have and wanted him to survive. I think it was the right thing to do for this show. It's why the show we said, we've said time and time again, it's an unbelievable show, well-written, well-crafted. And it would have been more of a networky show had he survived, I think. It would have been maybe like, you know, so as sad as I am, they, they did it, but they executed it perfectly. Like Bubba said, he went out on his own terms. He got to yell at freaking uh, Hector, like tell him about the pills. And like, he just kind of went off. He knew it was the end and he just let that off and he went out on his own terms. And that was truly amazing. Um the only thing I had an issue with, and not even an issue, but so when he got smuggled in, I wanted to know how that happened. I guess, you know, they went in and got him smuggled in, but I guess he's been alluding to Salamanca's. Uh, it seemed kind of easy that they got him out of Mexico. Yes. Uh, yes. That's a great so, point. Yeah. So that one, that to me, the little time jump there and stuff kind of, Ah, it almost feels like mm. that was the only nitpick I probably have. I'm glad um, you brought that up, Heath. I'm so glad you brought that up because I had that in the notes. And I my my uh, comment on it was that I loved it. I loved that whoa. they just jumped. Like, And when I was watching, I literally rewound. I thought I rewound too much <laughs> because they're so – one thing I noticed just in these three episodes is I think like last season and the season before, this show and they talk about it on the podcast and whenever there's interviews and everyone who talks about the the word people use is process, Right. That everything, they love to deconstruct process and see how things are done. And sometimes once you get to the end, it's like it's almost kind of lost its poignancy because you saw the process of it and you it kind of sucked it out in that way. And I kind of like that. It, that, in, that in that respect, it like leaves you to really feel something about it, not get that expected thing. Like you're talking about, like on a network show. I don't know if I explained that correctly, but that's what I think they did here, <laughs> which is by so quickly 
we go through the whole thing of him hiding in the oil drum go like fucking going underneath it like he's in fucking good morning or well, not i was going to say good morning vietnam <laughs> apocalypse <laughs> good now morning. apocalypse now good apocalypse now vietnam. right doing the martin sheen shit um and then it, and then you're like oh my god are they going to get him how's he going to get out and then all of a sudden we just come back from commercial and they open up this thing and he's there and I just thought that was brilliant. I loved it. I love that they skipped over all of that because they were like, no, 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 we're not fucking around this time. It's this is over. Like the finality has to begin now. And then it was like that was like his death march, you know? Hmm. Okay. Bubba, what do you think? I was on your side in this particular ish- issue, Heath, is that I mm-hmm. did want to see how they got Nacho, how they found him, how they connected with him. Uh, it didn't seem logical. Why would Nacho even really agree to go with him other than the line of, hey, you're going to protect my dad? I want to go back to a point. Um, I, I think you made, Axel, where you said that they kept the two storylines so separate. There was a bit of a, a bleed over, I would say, in that is that both of our protagonists, if you will, of their storylines got offered a chance. You can stick with the drug dealers or you can go to the cops. Nacho's dad said, Hey son, I've always told you just go to the cops. Nacho didn't. He stuck with the drug dealers. He had to go out because of the, because of the choices he had made on the other storyline of Jimmy and Kim. Once again, they're offering Jimmy, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, go to the cops. Tell us what you know. You don't have to have lawyer confidentiality with Lalo anymore. And so there was that little bear thread tying them together, mm-hmm. but that was the only one I saw. And I, I think it was a astute point to say that these storylines were so independent and separate that it really did allow you to focus completely on Nacho's dilemma. Do you want to be a friend of the cartel or do you want to be a rat? No, a friend of the cartel. <laughs> I can't be a rat. That's a great I'm, point. I'm, I'm dead both like ways, that. but it, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I guess, cause it, it's like Mike wanted to get him out and of course Gus wouldn't let him. Uh, and so I'm sure they had a plan in place mm-hmm. how to, I just, cause he's in Salamanca territory and all that. So that's the only thing that, um, I, it just caught me a little bit like, Oh, okay. That, that, that happened fast. It seems simple, but it, it, like I said, it's not going to kill. I mean, it's not going to, doesn't kill me it's it's a nitpick and very you know rarely i have nitpicks um but i wanted to really go into guys um the nacho call with his dad yeah let's do it so let's do it i got a little breakdown here kind of as an actor and bubba you know this axel you know this uh when, when when you get a scene uh there's like where you're coming from there's the obstacle and there's different beats and as an actor you don't just say the lines. You got to go in and say, okay, why am I saying this? And the different uh, wave of emotions and beats that go through a scene. And this nacho call with his dad, Michael Mando, like nails this scene to a T. It, you know, it should be taught in acting classes. I mean, there's so much here that for some people might see a simple scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there's a lot to it. And Bubba, what I call this scene is double E. Wait, wait, double E? 
expensive extension. Oh, no. The long distance call, you know. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I I, I dug deep. I dug (laughs) deep. But like like Bubba said before, uh, before we went on air in 2004, I wonder what that call would cost. So expensive extension. All right. So um, there's, you know, Nacho at first, he's quick. He's going to go call his dad. We don't know it yet, but we do now. Uh, Quick dialing. Then he hesitates with the last few digits. And that just goes like he's, he's ready to make a normal call to his dad. But the last two digits, like, should I make this call? It, it, you know, the, and he just hesitates. His dad picks up. Uh, Nacho hears his voice. He feels like he should hang up. He, he doesn't know if he can, he can go through with the call. Um, then he tries to act normal. Hey, dad, it's me. Um, dad asks, how are you? Nacho then the emotions start to flood. He's about to cry. I mean, he's in this terrible situation. Is he going to tell his dad? What, what is he going to, what is he going to confess? Uh, and, and then it kind of passes and he, he, he reaches another beat of I'm good. Uh, then while on the phone, it's almost like he feels like a kid again, maybe thinking of memories, uh, good times, a happy memory, like it's a normal call. He's got, he's got the little smile and it's almost like your Sunday call to your parents and you're reminiscing. He gets into that state of mind uh, and has like a slight laugh, slight smile uh, at the end of that beat. Um, but then his father says, you sound strange. You know, he probably hasn't heard his son in this way uh, or can't figure it out. He, he feels these possibly sensing this different uh, type of Nacho where Nacho might I can't remember all this calls with his dad, but um, I don't know if he's gotten really emotional at times and what, but his father senses something. Um, but it's hard because he's not with him. He's on the phone. Um, so um, Nacho then is, is just about to tear up. So he, again, he's going from good memories, like, hey, dad, now he's about to tear up again. And he, there's, this is the moment where he just wants to let his emotions out, but he know he can't. He knows he has to protect his dad. And if he just lets it all out now, it's not what this call is about. Or at least he figures it out. This is not what it's about. Because through up to this point, I mean, he's fighting to to let it out. He's trying to be a man with his dad, but he's almost trying to say goodbye, but not, but is this goodbye? And and he's fighting with these emotions. Um, Then he goes back there to try and enjoy the moment again, hearing his dad's voice. Uh, he basically, quote unquote, puts his emotions on hold. So he, he's he's got this internal struggle of all these emotions. And again, he stops himself, puts them on hold and continues the conversation. But his dad's confused. Uh, of course, like I said, he can't see Nacho fighting his emotions. Um, you know, but his dad just thinks it's this, this, the same call, you know. He doesn't know he's being hunted. He doesn't know his life's at stake. He doesn't know his father's life's at stake. He, 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 the father has no clue, but Nacho's trying to fight this thing. And it's unbelievable how Michael Mando goes back and forth, back and forth. This, this call almost feels like, like if his dad found out he committed suicide or he died, it's one of those, why didn't I see the signs? I tried to help him, but I thought he was okay. Yeah. I just talked with him the other day. Like it's one of those, like 
people say all the time, I had no idea my friend was going through this. I just talked to him. He sounded fine. So it really, that, that I was getting that sense out of that portion of the call. But then it says like, okay, well, I got work to do, you know, trabajo. He has to, you know, so it's almost like his dad doesn't know, of course, that he's being hunted, but it's so sad that his dad doesn't know because, you know, he would feel, he probably want to go get in. He would do yeah. something I, I, as a father. I got to believe that. But, you know, and it's, it sucks. He's getting hunted by the cartel and his dad's like, I got to go back to work, but it's not his dad's fault. Um, and then just a couple things. Then uh, once again, like Bubba mentioned with the through line with uh, Kim and Jimmy, we should just call him Jimmy Kimmel uh, and uh, this and Nacho that is tell dad once again, just go to the police. Uh, Nacho is about to break again. Um, he reminds me, he goes through his emotions of like cry, anger, emotion to emotion. And I always go back to, I think one of the, the most amazing emotional acting scenes of all time is Robert De Niro in the deer hunter. When he, when it's Mao, Mao, when they're doing the Russian roulette while they're prisoners of war. And there's the emotion where De Niro doesn't know if the bullets come in to hit his head and he cries. He's mad. He's, he's about to cry and he's about to scream on a, a lesser level, but it's the same type of rhythm in this scene with emotion back and forth, the tennis match, if you will. And then when his dad says, what else is there to say? You're just like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for the dad because he has no idea what's going on. And then, you know, Nacho really in this moment really knows this is probably the last time he'll talk to his dad. Uh, and, you know, you know, he wants to say more, but he can't. And when he hangs up that beat there, that emotional moment where he's like, he, 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 he claps his hand, he puts his hands together and he goes through this pain. Uh, and again, the motion to emotion. And then he, he puts that aside. He has to put that aside and then go make that tough call to Mike, talk to Gus and he gets tough again. So I was just blown away by this freaking scene. I, I had to like, look at it beat by beat because it, it's just not many actors can do this and whether um, you know, it just shows you how great of an actor he is and, and the director, but it just, a lot of it felt organic to me. And that's how, you know, it's a great scene. Like I bet you the stuff at the end with the hands and stuff, I bet you that was the actor just pulling that out. It just seemed so genuine and uh, just a phenomenal scene guys. Unbelievable. Heartbreaking though. Oh, definitely, man. Great breakdown there, Heath, Solo. Heath, I'm, Heath, I'm trying to think how, if I were directing this episode, I could get that type of performance out of you. And I'm just thinking, what could it be? Oh, I have a great idea. I won't let Heath read the end of the script, and I'll say, okay, you're going to do this call with your dad. By the way, this is your last episode. You're getting canned. And then I know that you have a lot of emotions. Like, wait, what? Wait, what, what? I thought you were just going to say, if we were doing, if you were directing me, you say, hey, just go watch Better Call Salt scene. We'll just oh, watch yeah. that okay. and do that. That's a good point. But uh, yeah, no, it, it just really, um, I mean, again, and this goes to my film in post production, The Star City Murders. We have a scene that we just completed in editing that 
it's a very emotional scene and a very pivotal scene of the film. And if it doesn't work, our film's kind of screwed a little bit. And luckily it came out amazing. And the actress we had just was, she was phenomenal. And I remember shooting it that day, feeling it. But then when you see it on screen, it's just like, it blows you away. Cause you know, when you're doing the scene, you're thinking about other things as an actor, you got to remember your lines, how you're going to react and whatnot. And so it just reminded me like this scene here, it wouldn't have broke the show because they've already had a lot of street cred and a lot of foundation, but it definitely enhances it and does make it why this episode is so amazing. It does show a lot of trust in him, man. Like these two scenes that kind of like, those are this scene and the final scene where he's just, it's just pure anger and taking out all that frustration that it, and, and you know what? Those two scenes make perfect bookends because like you're saying, this scene is all about restraint, right? Restraint mm -hmm. for the sake of his dad, because as a son, he wants to be like, dad, help me. Like, I love you. You know what I mean? And he's really, and we know that Nacho's whole journey has been about his dad, right? That's like right. the nacho that we know once he got mixed up in all of this, even with, even before I should say, even before he got mixed up with Gus, it was about his dad, right? Cause Hector was involving his dad. So it was always that, that kind of focal point was there. And I think the last time we saw him with his dad before this scene was the scene when his dad visited him at his house, when he just showed up. And that we talked a little bit about it on the pre uh, the pre show, and he was telling him the same thing: you got to go to the cops, you got to go to the cops. So it was like it's the same thing he's been telling him. And but we know it's just like you said, Bubba. There's no way to write him out of this situation, and in the situation, he accepted that too, and that's why he ends up giving himself up, trusting. That really Mike is going to follow through with the promise of leaving his dad alone, you know, and which mm -hmm. Mike had already helped him by taking the uh, the ID out of the safe. And he doesn't yep. even know about that. Right. Let me ask you guys kind of a big picture question, if that's OK. And I may get into trouble from all the Better Call Saul fans who are listening to a Better Call Saul podcast when I say why, you know, when you have the internal debate amongst yourself, why do I still rank this a bit below Breaking Bad as far as a show is? Across these seasons of Better Call Saul, I think there have been times where they didn't know what to do with this character of Nacho. There have been seasons where it seems like he doesn't even show up in more than half the episodes. He's not there. And so we've seen that this is a great uh, actor. We, The audience has really become attached to this character. But I think at times the show hasn't really known what to do with him. And I almost feel like this early death here in the final season is the show finally saying, okay, we never really, we never really could easily tie Nacho in to Saul Goodman in that story. And so let's, you know, remove that off the board as we go forward with the quote unquote, big picture story of Saul. So do you guys feel that? Or have you guys noticed that or had that pull that I've had watching the show 
all these years. What do you think, Keith? <laughs> well, um, you know, that's a, that's a great point. I don't know if I've ever really heavily thought about it, but now I'm doing a podcast about better costs. All I better start doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I sh- like, cause me, Bubba, I struggled after, I, I guess it was in season two or three. I, I was starting to struggle with the Chuck and Saul stuff. At first it was cool. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, this is better call. Oh, this is the, you know, origin story, if you will. And then that stuff for me got kind of dry. And then when they added, you know, of course, Gus and and, and seeing that, then I started to get really excited to get both. Um, I, I know, and I've heard this on podcasts, that the writers like to write it themselves in a corner and figure out how they're going to get them out. Like it's a, cha- it's a game to them. It's a challenge. Uh, they've, they've said that. And it's funny, I, I almost feel like the Nacho character was going to be, and I don't have any information, I, I haven't listened to any pods through the years, but it almost feels like it's your Michael Emerson kind of deal where you bring him on for a little bit and then all of a sudden you love the actor and you want to do more mm-hmm. and you try to, yeah. to weave them yeah. in through the storyline and they just couldn't quite do it. And then when you either brought Gus in and stuff, it, it, it seemed to be, but you might be right and the fact it was almost like a love letter to, to michael mando like yeah we didn't do what we could have done with you but let's go out with a bang and give you the best you know couple final couple episodes best episode of your of your character's run and and they did that so yeah he went out with a couple of bangs he went out with a couple of bangs one to the head and then hector came up and you know (laughs) well listen (laughs) there's probably an hour of cut footage of hector taking out his vengeance on the poor oh my god yeah that and then to and the the way the gunshots kept on going once they cut the black yes and then the credits are rolling and the gunshots are still going i know (laughs) like Like he uh, at least it wasn't the bell he's like give me another gun cousin oh my it should have been like bell annoys me it should have been like the bell a gunshot the bell a gun (laughs) right like it starts making a song um but uh we had an email i i my answer to you is I think in some respects you're right, but I disagree with you about the end. I think the end shows Nacho finally taking control. And I, I think that that is a bit meta in, in, his, in the way that they also handled the character. So in that way, I do agree with you. Because mm, mm. I had talked about this when we covered it last season, a little bit on the on the pre-pod too, is that you like Nacho, but then when you go to his house, he lives with like two meth head girls, and it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, living the dream. Yeah, you're like protecting. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Loca. He's obviously uh, he he is written as this kind of um, uh, like in his head kind of character, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but we never get past that. We see the love with his dad, but the rest of it, we never really get like, why is he in this life then? How did he get into it? What is, it's really just that it just really became singularly about his dad and uh, Reginald wrote into us. um, He says, first off, he's glad Nacho went out on his own terms. He was hoping 
that Mike would find a way to keep Nacho alive. I was even thinking at the end, is Mike going to somehow like, is he going to like shoot him in the leg or is he going to like, I don't know, just start shooting and everyone scatters. Um, but Reginald continues. He did three important things. Nacho, he secured his father's safety. He died without being tortured, having to be tortured by the cousins. And he finally got to tell off both Hector and Gus, too. He called yeah. him the chicken man, and he laughed at him. And then he said, I had to watch this fool save you. Um, uh, but he says that Nacho's fi- fatal flaw was his naivete that he causes the harm to himself and others. Nacho always thought that he could play around in the drug game, but remain above the nasty parts of it. Like when he reluctantly beat up crazy eight, remember that he didn't want to do it. Um, there's other examples of it too. Um, and, uh, Reginald makes a comparison to when he baptized himself in that oil in the abandoned tanker in this episode. It's like he voluntarily chose that life, right? In this, but I see it in a different way is that we didn't really get to understand the life, the his what made him choose that life because his dad seemed like a good guy. We don't really know what got Nacho into this world or what kept him into it. We only know what kept him in as far as Gus and Hector, like getting in that deep. So I have to agree with you there the depth that we have learned about Jimmy, about Chuck, about even about Howard, right? About Gus, right? His background. We didn't get that same depth sometimes with Nacho. So it does leave a little to be desired, I think, when you look back on it. Uh-oh, another spinoff, Better Call Nacho. I love it. To, to find out the origin story, well, how he got in the game. My big theory that the that in the final episode, Jimmy would open the door and it would be Kim married Nacho. No, man. In the twin, in the Bubba, in the Twin Peaks reality. No, man. No, I heard, I heard these. Uh, Was this on the preseason pod? You guys talked about these. I thought, I think, I I thought it would never happen, but I love the idea that somebody would say Kim and Nacho come, you know, (laughs) are on a Sunday shopping with their kids and say, and the kids want some uh, Cinnabons. Oh, I would love it. It could never happen, but I love that idea. Yeah. But yeah, I have to agree with you on that. I, I don't, I don't know that it, it makes the show like that much worse or anything, but I do feel that there was a bit left on the table as far as the cat. Like even with going back, like remember when he was talking to um, what's his name, Don Eladio, and he was like, mm-hmm. I want to get these mm-hmm. gangs and he had all these ideas. You just I, I don't know. It's like there's Nacho was just kind of he remains a bit mysterious and elusive. Yeah. And I want to stay Reginald for this email. We love emails. Keep sending them in. But Reginald mentions in the opening scene. And so, you know, I was just a little tough on break on on Better Call Saul saying it doesn't quite measure up to Breaking Bad in my solitary opinion. But one thing this show can do and these creators can do is they have that opening scene where it's the desert and you hear bugs and it just seems yeah. like this is a, a, a terrible place. 
but the blue flower shows you that something can bloom, something can blossom and grow in this tough life. And maybe that was Nacho. He was able to bloom in a tough life, but in the end, uh, you know, we, we see that it goes to the glass. And so before I knew where we were headed, I'm staring at that glass and thinking, okay, what could that symbolize? Oh, maybe that symbolizes that man will still come and leave his trash in this beautiful nature. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of it because this show is. I, so me mean. too, dude. But didn't you also think like, wait, did I miss something? Like, right. Like with this show too, you, I'm always thinking to myself, am I seeing something in the future or mm-hmm. did I just mm-hmm. totally forget something intricate and uh, they're calling, making a call back. But in this case it was, you know, we got to find out later what it was. That was a pretty brilliant tracking shot. That was re- and the way oh, that yeah. it started raining during the shot too. It looked, oh, yeah. they did a great job of that. Now there have been some people on the interwebs theorizing what this means. Like, this flower comes out of his blood in some way, right? The, and, and the flower is blue and okay, that's like Kim's yeah. color. Kim is like blue in this show, right? Like they do a lot of color Crystal theory mouth. in this show. Oh, that's true too. Does it, mm-hmm. but my question is, does that mean though you could see it as a, precursor right or or uh foreshadowing kim's death right she too gets caught up in something is already caught up in it it's the same fucking guys you know or could you see it this way that lalo's death informs what happens the reason why we're seeing it so early in this season is because his death will inform what happens to the rest of the characters. We know how, how badly it's going to affect Mike and mm-hmm. that Mike had to have a part in this. I mean, it's like every season, Mike's just got to kill a motherfucker. <laughs> like, <or> just <laughs> Stand around, you know, like, uh, well, I, you don't want to be his friend. It's yeah. his friends who always get it. So, you know, Hey, Oh, that's a, one question. Um, so basically what I'm trying to say is it could be that, Lalo's death saves Kim or, or maybe even saves Jim or like saves Gus or some like, yeah, almost like a life for a life. Yes. That's what, that's what the flower is that one of our characters is going to live because Lalo died, not Lalo. I'm sorry, Nacho because Nacho died. So I think that's another way of looking at it, but I have a question for you all Mm -hmm. just before Nacho shot himself and brilliant, such a brilliant sequence of shots too i love seeing i know you do too uh bubba because you're an editor a lot of people don't realize you got to you want to take each shot means something you're building up to a story right and the way that they would jump from nacho holding the gun to don bosa Mm -hmm. to the the to to us seeing it through mike's eyepiece then to mike then to mike's mouth and then he goes i think he said do it yeah it's, now, it felt what, like that yeah what was he saying what did he want nacho to do that's um. my question 
<laughs> when know? Mike said that, what did he want Nacho? Did he want Nacho to take out Don Bosa and take out Gus? So. And it would that get would rid of sense. a lot of headaches. Yeah, because because Mike was there, right? Just uh, the plan was to kill Nacho when he ran. So he wouldn't have to go through torture, right? He Is was that the why backup Mike... in case I think Victor didn't shoot. I think the plan was they told uh, Nacho to run and that Victor right. would take him out. Right. So mm-hmm. the cousins don't torture him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, when he was going to do it, I'm like, it almost gave you false hope. Like Mike's going to yeah. take everyone out, even though we don't, if it's breaking bread. If breaking Brad, breaking Brad, a new Brad Pitt documentary. Oh, oh man! If break, if breaking, breaking Bad. Bad, another Pearl Jam reference, right? That's Brad. That's what's his name? Brad, Brad. Stone, Stone Gossard. Gossard yeah. yeah, yeah, baby. Um, but yeah, no. But he was just like probably with. Let's take him out. <laughs> you know, take him out before you go. Do it like that. That it made it made a lot of sense because you know what Mike's going to have to go through being in that life. Um, and, and his guilt and everything, he, it would probably be a lot easier if they were all taken out, you know, because I don't think Mike at this point in Better Call Saul has seen Breaking Bad. So <laughs> and that's really believe. that's really sad. That's really sad because, like, everybody's seen it. By I know. Now. I mean, well, <laughs> I know he doesn't Poor understand I mean, the streaming money, services. Man. You know, it's oh, it's not on network TV. Uh, but Bubba, yeah. what do you think? Do you think? I, I think you're right. Like the plan was is uh, to be honest. I mean, I don't mean to get this uh, finicky, but I thought the plan was for Tyrus to shoot. Oh, okay. Maybe it was as opposed to Victor, but either way it was, it was, that was the plan. And Nacho was kind of coming up with his own plan tied to it. But I think Mike was there. You're right to take to, if the cousins, like if anybody, if anybody on the other side was like, no, you don't get to die. Like if anything went wrong and the cousins grabbed him first before, uh, you know, before he could manufacture this reason for him to be killed by Gus's guys. I thought that's why Mike was there is to, you know, the plan went according to plan, but if somehow, you know, they pull Nacho out of the, out of the van, they bring him forward. And then the cousins just run up and grab him. Mike what would Gus do out. in that case? You know, yeah, you've got to, he's got to die. He can't be tortured and possibly give up the ghost. And so, but do you, but I'm, what I'm thinking is that if Nacho had shot Don Bosa, mm-hmm. Mike would have taken out the cousins. And tried to. I think Mike would have tried to take out as many, oh. as many other people as possible. He wouldn't have got very far because I right. think everyone there would have then right. tried to shoot Nacho, including mm-hmm. Gus, Tyrus, Victor, like everybody. Right? Yeah. Hector didn't have a gun at that point, but he would have rang the bell. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I Cause, feel because Mike might have been there too, Axel. Yeah, you know that's what I'm saying? Gus, yeah. Mike yeah, had his so. own idea. And I'm not sure. It's just, I just felt it was very interesting that they did that whole sequence and then they go to Mike and it's just before he shoots him. And Mike is like, do it. And I was like, do what? And then he shoots himself and Mike is obviously very upset, but he doesn't do anything. 
But I'm th- I just thought to myself later, damn, I think if Nacho had fucking shot Bosa, Mike yep. would have started taking people out. And maybe Nacho would have been able to t- turn around and shoot. Like he might have been able to get somebody, yeah, at you least know? before he died. You know, we could have had a whole different Breaking Bad. I mean, I obviously I knew <laughs> that that couldn't happen because of Breaking Bad, but it's just interesting to me that I think that they were trying to present that with that little line there, but maybe I'm wrong. Ah, what else mm. do we got? Also, oh, go ahead. oh, I got a quick thing. Um, you know. I watched the pilot. It was probably a year ago of Breaking Bad. Um, did you f- feel a mirror image when um, Nacho was in the dirt road and he's raising the gun, almost like Walter? Yes. R- when the cops are coming, he raises the gun, and you know, and you're like, "What is he? You know, what's he gonna do?" Um, did or I, I, I might have been shot differently. I don't know if it was. I mean, it was a different um, circ uh, kind of. Well, not sort of different circumstances but it just it just that hit me for whatever reason well oh Um, no solo i think they were doing stuff like that like i think the call with his dad reminded me of like maybe it's the last call before he went i think i think it's before he goes and sees them when walt calls skyler and they have to kind of act like everything's okay um right maybe that's before he even takes off and goes to vermont or whatever but um I think they like to do the, that kind of mirror stuff. Speaking of mirror, that shot when he sees the piece of glass in the garbage is just brilliant. How it's like basically shot through the broken glass. And I will admit that the first mm-hmm. time I didn't see it, but upon watching it again and then connecting it to how it's the from when Gus like... He was, it's almost like he was so meticulous to clean up everything, but even in being meticulous and cleaning it up, you can't account for humans, for people. And that's always kind of Gus's problem, right? Like he's so methodical and so robotic that <laughs> in, in cleaning up, he helped Nacho do this. That's why I never clean. That's why I just leave stuff on the floor. Yeah, me neither, Bubba. It's fine. It's just I mean, what's you know, point? it's like his OCD backfired on him, and there's just no way he could have controlled that, right? It's just like a message of, like, you can't control everything. Things are just never in your control. I mean, that's a big lesson of Breaking Bad, too, right? Oh, yeah. No, no these are, listen, you, that's a great point, Axel. The The only kind of other little note I had about this whole storyline, this, this half of the show storyline about Nacho's demise is I hated that he ran to the, to the empty oil truck there, you know, to the abandoned oil truck. I'm like, (laughs) you know, you're trying to run away from the cousins and you run to the one thing that like stands out amongst this whole nature, you know, (laughs) it's like you went to the one place where everybody's eyes are going to naturally be drawn. I mean, what, What's what's the take of not to shoot a couple of rounds and yeah the oil? he was yeah that's <laughs> that is true right they could have I thought that they were just going to start shooting at it a little bit sure um, yeah uh, oh one thing I did want to say is um, his last just pay homage to his last little line there which was uh, his whole little speech when he tells uh, Gus off. I mean, not when he tells Gus off, when he tells Hector 
that he did everything, you know. Um, Tell Cersei it was me. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I mean, he was so angry, and he was like, "You twisted fuck." I was looking. I was looking <laughs> yeah. up the. Uh, I actually went and found the um, some like transcript of it, and it's just so great, even to read it. He, uh, it, it was so effective, and the way that he inadvertently though, like helps Gus. By saying you were dead and buried, and I had to watch this asshole bring you back, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> right? He's almost like thank you know, but in a way, in the same way, he's saying to him, "Think about me while you're in that chair." He's also kind of saying, "Think about Gus while you're in that chair," <laughs> because that's why Gus did it, right? Like mm-hmm. he he kind of wanted to be able to control him like that, so. Um, well, how about this other thing? Sorry, I just suddenly thought of other all these other points I wanted to say about Nacho. How about if you're Nacho, you're eating your last meal. You know that the plan is I'm going to die tomorrow or whenever the uh, exchange is going to go down. And then you suddenly hear everybody talking about Gus says he looks too clean. And it's like, oh, they got to beat me up and look brutal. Yeah. Oh, mm. man kick a guy when he's down and probably do worse things to him. I mean, Oh, tough way to go. Yeah. And I, I think though that that was in a way it was making Mike do that. This was all like a replay of Mike's relationship with his son. Oh man. Yeah. You know, and mm. it was <clears throat> torturous in that way. That's why I wonder how Mike's going to come out of this. I have to say that I was so surprised when Nacho shot himself, that when they flash back to Mike after that too, and his face, I I kind of like felt it through Mike. He's such a great actor that showing his face made you feel it, that pain. And it just made me think, man, what's Mike's really got to kind of really tune out after this. I think he's done all of his acting out, you know? I think that he's now just going to become the Mike that we knew in Breaking Bad, just like really cold hearted. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, I don't know that we're going to see much more growth as far as Mike goes for this season. (laughs) Benjamin Button. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because, I mean, this show really did start out as kind of Mike and Jimmy, you know, mm -hmm. but Mike has kind of faded into the background a little bit here. With all the other characters. Right. It's just once a season, he gets to come forward and say, this isn't going to go like you think it's going to go. <laughs> and he has, yep. it's great. Scene. Uh, he has this, uh, this little tick where he moves his mouth to, to like the left. He's like, kind of, he does that mic thing. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love it. Yeah. Oh, man, it is great. Okay, one last thing, and this is, I don't think that this is really going to come to much with this season, and it doesn't become, I don't believe it became a thing in Breaking Bad, but the guy that Alvarez, that Nacho blames, and Los Odios out of Peru, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to, I don't know if they're going to introduce some other character or something like that, then Gus is going to have to frame is framing them for some other reason. But um, 
I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was interesting that they said it a couple times. They said it enough times that it made me feel like maybe this is going to come back this season. Um, but they definitely do blame someone else. Well, yeah. Listen, if Lala really does somehow believe it's not the chicken man and it's this crew out of Peru, Lala don't play. It's, you know, it's gonna uh, it's gonna be violence yeah. for somebody. Now, I think Lalo is still gonna always suspect the Chicken Man, Gus. Oh, definitely. But, but you know, if somehow another group does get even a little bit of the blame, I think you do have to introduce them. I do think that's where the story would go. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll have to see. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about Nachos? Uh, demise or Nachos? Oh, I love Nachos. Oh, oh, sorry solo nacho no yeah no yeah i made a joke i made a nachos joke I you know. must have missed so, it i know I oh, it, yeah, it wasn't really a good joke he's scary <laughs> axel's thinking a shaya would never make these terrible jokes you know? Like, you know, yeah i know you know like know. he's thinking well maybe this podcast really ended after season oh five, man you know? <laughs> nah, i'll keep yeah, continuing no, no, i'm more. stuck nothing i'm stuck more. like nacho you you stuck in a you stuck in a corner and we're trying to get you out and I did not help at all. Sorry, Folo. No, nothing else. Uh, cool. Wow. Just a great episode three of a final season, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit like the battle of the white walkers. Episode three. Oh, Oh, sorry. The white walkers, baby. They're coming back after this is over. Oh no, they're not actually. They're not in. No, they're not. No, they're They're not. not in that story. They didn't go with that pilot. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about Kim and uh, Saul slash Jimmy. Um, Right away when they, uh, when we start out with them, I mean, basically they're the most important thing I think was the, the conversation between Kim and the DA, but they do a bunch of Howard stuff. And I thought it was kind of nifty the way that they were hiding their Howard plans behind the painting in their living room. <laughs> That's so weird that like they hide it and then it has all the little sticky pads on it. Did you see oh, that? Yeah. The sticky notes. Yeah. Um, I caught some of those sticky notes. Some of them said paint, casting, phone call, tour. Uh-oh. One was a picture of a carrot. One said costume. Another one said Jay Stangle. And Justin Stangle is the IRS guy that Kim called at the end of the last uh-huh. episode. So maybe he is he invo- is he going to get involved again? Are or is they, that from or that was the last straw? Exactly. That Jimmy but that, didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Or is are they kind of backtracking and showing also the steps? Because that didn't seem so planned out, right? Like Kim didn't tell Jimmy she was going to do that, right? We didn't really. She, uh, he, I don't think he knew that she was going to pull that out at that point. That she was going to go with this particular stick as opposed to his carrot. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think he knew it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah, because she invited herself. Yes. That's right. That's right. Good so point. it wasn't part. Of, so now is that is it part of a future plan or whatever? Or maybe they're just showing like, how they got there. Um, I thought that was kind of cool, and they. To- I like the way. And I would thought that you would appreciate this solo because you are a big fan of like the uh, Ocean's Eleven and the kind of caper films. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun the way they were making hints about they kept on talking about the car and are we going to get it in time and the detailing. 
And then it turns out that they're talking about Howard's car and that they want to steal his car and use it for a certain period of time, but then return it without him knowing about it. So I thought that it was very cool the way they got us to the end of what they're going to do when they're going to use Huel and do this valet scam, but that we still don't know why they want the car or what they're going to do with it. Yeah. Cause they, they mention what it, the lock and unlock and, and different things. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Like that's all I remember that I got from it, that they're going to somehow do something they can control his car lock unlock is that is is, was there more to it than that that they gave us or oh you mean in the end after huel gets the keys yeah when 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 he's got the uh, the motherboard yeah i think that's just to get into the car right okay so that it's simple as that so so their plan is gonna be off that by gaining control Yep. of getting into his car, whether they plant kilos of Coke this time or mm. who knows, or That's dead prostitutes. Saying. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Bubba? What do you think they're going to do with Howard's car? Before I answer that question, can I just have a little room to breathe and truly get myself in trouble with Better Call Saul fans? <laughs> Kim is the worst. How can you like Kim at this oh, point? Yeah. People, this show yeah. made you love Kim. People, this show made you love Kim. But I wrote on the Daily DVR Facebook page all those years ago at the end of season five. I said, the old Kim you loved, she gone. She not around anymore. She gone. Yep, you're right. And this stone cold, terrible person has bubbled up inside of her. And I'm going to attack her throughout this entire episode. but, But the overriding thing is, do human beings love watching capers like Ocean Eleven? We do, but normally a piece of entertainment gets us to feel like, okay, this person had it coming. Oh, they're scamming a scammer. That's, you know, spoiler alert in the sting, they're scamming mob people. So you don't feel bad that they're scamming these evil mob people. Right. Howard, how, you know, how can anyone on this, any audience member see this as something other than what has Howard ever done? Except in some ways, try to point you, Kim, to the truth. That Jimmy is slipping Jimmy, and he isn't good as a lawyer. You know, he's trying to tell, you know, the only bad thing Howard ever did was tell Kim the truth. And the fact that she is using her meticulous abilities, which can be used for good, and we're getting little tastes of it in her pro bono work. The fact that she's using her incredible intelligence and skills to do a stupid revenge plot on somebody who doesn't deserve revenge. I'm frustrated. I'm ready for Jimmy to divorce her. I, mm. you know, enough is enough. What are they going to do? My, my thought is, is my first thought is like, Keith. I'm sorry, like Keith, they're going <laughs> to, I said, Keith, it's a Heath apologies. They're going to plant some cocaine on Howard, but that's almost too much. And that's, or for a very, yeah. least, very least, that's almost yeah, too no, little. I was, I that's was just little. Kidding. It's got to be something yeah. bigger than that. I think maybe they just wanted his car to be seen somewhere that it shouldn't right. be. Yes. You mm. know, at a certain time, like just kind of drive by real quick. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's parked in that hotel that mm. we saw in Breaking Bad so much where so many meth mm. users. Nice. I'm glad you brought that up, Bubba, because I asked Axel this 
because I haven't done a rewatch of Better Call Saul and he kind of, you know, before the season. But I just was like, why do I feel bad for Howard? Did he do something so bad that I missed? And the fact that you brought it up. So, like, I agree with you in that fact. Like, I kind of feel bad for Howard for him what being a lawyer <laughs> you know i mean lawyers all right some of them are scumbags but they get the job they got to do their job um but like i i just feel like i was kind of in the Saul camp of when he's hesitant to follow through at first mm-hmm. uh with the howard plan but then he seems to kind of get into it and whether that's slipping jimmy coming back he's doing it for kim for the relationship you know, you could have different motivations. And then, of course, when he gets caught up in it, he's so damn good at it that you wonder, is he just, is that just him? But, um, yeah, I, I feel bad. Like, when he did the bowling ball thing, I was even like, oh, man, that's harsh. Yeah. And and who knew that was, wasn't was going to be the worst thing they tried to do to him? Yeah, um, I agree with you, Bubba, about everything you said. And I think that Kim I, – I, well – let me put it this way. I think that Jimmy is trying to talk himself and he tries to talk Huel into believing mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. the reason they're doing this is really mm. to force a settlement in Sandpiper and help the old people. Right? Right. He's trying to convince himself that Kim has Kim's ulterior motive is that they'll have enough money for Jimmy to do be his full character. Right. And start himself off well, and she will be able to do all this pro bono work. But I think really Jimmy's just doing it because Kim wants to do it. And Kim is really doing it because she wants to fuck over Howard and everyone else that she tried her best. It's just like with the car accident. She's so type A. She just was like, fuck it. These people have been trying to put me down my whole life from my mother to this person. I've done, tried to do everything right. It doesn't work. So fuck it. I'm just going to do wrong, right? I'm just going to do what I want to do. And if the way, the only way that I can help people is by fucking over Howard, I'm going to do it. But really in her mind, she just wants to fuck over Howard because personally, she feels like he somehow represents maybe like, you know, all the like uh, rich white professional men who have told her what to do. Kevin and all all the guys, Don, whoever, all the do. You know what I'm saying? Like it's he kind of is a stand in for all of them because he never did anything really mean to her. You know, like I think that. Uh, Howard always treated Kim pretty well. You know, I feel bad for the Howards of the world. This Howard, <laughs> Howard, Howard, Howard the Duck, right. Howard right. Hughes, you know, oh. Mo Howard. I mean, it's just, it's just the a lot of Howards anyway, out there. A lot of Howards out there. I just, I don't know. I do agree with you. I think that they're, but hey, can I say one thing though about this scene? where they're they're talking about the car and everything. It was very mm-hmm. romantic, wasn't it? They were like dressing each other. They were giving each other little kisses. It was I can it was very <clears throat> strange the way it was if you didn't watch it 
and you looked, you just like listened to it, it was one thing, but if you watched it, it was another thing. And it was actually very sweet. It's kind of a little bit sad that this is the way that they're like getting along bad, like great now that they're involved in a con together, <laughs> but it's yeah, kind of like, is it real? You know? Yeah. I've, you know, I've had a lot of issues with the Kim Jimmy relationship through the, through the years. And it, it almost feels like they're better as buddies. I guess they're fuck buddies. <laughs> Not, you don't, I, I, I don't see the love. They both seem like you know? loners. Yeah. It's like two loners yeah, together in a room. Yeah. It, it, it's, but, I think that, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you can't expect every relationship to be, you know, we're like, Oh, it's like Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez or, you know, Romeo and Juliet or Bubba and Catfish. I mean, you, that's, it's that's just too hot. That's too hot. <laughs> on, please. That's too hot. Don't for get X rated here. Just the mere mention of those two. Whoa. whoa. TNT might do a doc special on it. If, if, if we play our cards right. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those where they have chemistry in a certain way, but they, you know, I mean, look at the way they got married. I mean, it was like, hey, let's get married yeah. so we don't have to. It's just it 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 feels like the the you know this is cool right now relationship. It, it you know even when they go you know in the uh, last I think it was last season when they were looking at a house and stuff. It's just like you're like yeah. Even without breaking bad knowledge, I still would feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and but but actually, breaking bad knowledge, we don't really know much about Saul's love life, so we we you know we don't know what's going to happen. But it just it, it's interesting. Uh, and you know, not all relationships are matches made in heaven or soulmates or whatever, and that's reality. Um, except for Bub and Catfish and mork when mork it's three's a crowd but you know it, it <laughs> but yeah no so i just it, it, it it's one thing that i i don't know if i feel uncomfortable like even when they're brushing teeth the brushing their teeth together it just feels weird it feels weird no to me. i i, I, I think that i don't know i mean i think that they have chemistry together but i do agree that both of their characters are they do seem like they're together, like alone together, together alone, whatever. I think that's part yeah. of it. And I've always felt that, and I think the show communicates that Jimmy has kind of always been more into her than she was into him. Do you, do you guys mm-hmm. disagree with me or agree with me? And I think even late, I mean, these last couple episodes, I mean, she's definitely like leading him around. But he's the one I, f- I feel is trying to be more romantic. He's talking about their future. He brought her to that house, right? Like, he's the one kind of... She was her idea to get married, but that mm-hmm. was just like kind of spur-of-the-moment thing where it seems really more like Jimmy actually is a bit more invested in their relationship, whereas she is kind of... I feel like even more so this season on her own doing her own thing. And he's along with her. Well, Axel, I just want to say that I agree with you that in this episode, there've almost been more romantic scenes than I've seen in, in, in other seasons entirely, but it, it does feel like a very unhealthy basis for a a marriage, at least in my opinion. (laughs) Right. 
No, I yeah. agree. They're not there. It's codependency and it's, and I mean, obviously they're kind of bringing out the worst in each other, not the best. Oh yeah. Um, right. Let's talk a bit about really the only other, the kind of main thing that happens with their storyline. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the, uh, the scam itself, which was kind of fun, but, uh, Susan, Suzanne Erickson from the DA's office, the same lady that wasn't that the same lady that Jimmy was in the elevator with. Remember where he rigged the elevator to uh, mm-hmm. stall out and they went over their cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And this is interesting the way this starts out, too, because it starts out by Kim approaching her and giving her some discovery about a client. And yep. Erickson is like, why are you giving this? We would have never found this. And Kim is like, well, I'm supposed to, and I'm, I'm supposed to give it to you. It's the law. And I'm still going to beat you like, ha, ah, I'm awesome pro bono Kim. Um, but then she pulls her into the office and gives her the whole breakdown. Basically that Jimmy's got to fess up to what's going on. Uh, rat out the cartel, what happened uh, and come in and talk to them. Now, they don't really seem to have anything on him and except that he did fuck up. And she mentions that fuck up. It's yes. kind of quick. But she says Khalil thinks Jimmy knew. And that's mm-hmm. the same Khalil who was with the detective last episode that Jimmy said Lalo instead of what what crazy name were they using? Jo- uh, Jorge de Guzman. Ricardo Alfonso or something. No, yeah. Jorge de Guzman. <laughs> Baseball. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So and I'm glad that happened because yep. remember actually we talked about that. Sometimes secondary characters are dumb. Yeah. And but on this in this show, it's like that slip up led to something. Uh and I'm glad it did because you know, because a lot of times stuff will happen, but it, it never I don't know. I just I like that they did that his slip up did his slip and Jimmy slip up did um come back you know it didn't just yeah thank you uh so that i did like um but yeah the kim discovery thing that was that was interesting i it was all i almost think like i i thought she would have done something like that if she really wanted to talk to her i mean do you think she was trying to get because she doesn't know because she doesn't know about the lalo stuff so you know, because I first I'm thinking, oh, maybe she wants to get information out of her by giving her a gesture. But then it, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, how would she know? No, right? I think she Kim was know. just being kind of arrogant, honestly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think she, she was yeah. being arrogant. And it just so happened <clears throat> that, hey, I have to talk. But now, did Bubba or Heath, did she mention that she knew that Kim visited him in jail? Remember, no. Kim visited Lalo. Right, that would be big trouble if she, if oh, uh, Suzanne Erickson knew that. So, if she looked, she could. She, now we don't know how did Kim use back channels to get in there. Did she sign her official name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't you know. know. She would have had to use her official name, I think, just to get in and see somebody. So there'd be a record of it for sure. Yep. So is this what takes Kim down? Is is Kim, we're always Ooh. looking to see what the fuck's going to happen to Kim. Axel, I love it. You Keep know? writing. Axel. And, and, and I came out so hard about, oh, I hate Kim at this point. But once again, in this scene, 
where we have Suzanne presenting all the reasons why to do the right thing, Jimmy should talk to the DA. In in it's really focused on Kim, right? It's yep. like, how is Kim feeling about hearing this? And for whatever reason, the show never made me, never gave me the thought that Kim's going to say, "Oh, we should do the right thing and go with the DA." I even in this scene where it wasn't revealed really which way it's going to go, and it's actually kind of like a little cliffhanger. Ooh, which way will it go? That scene, I knew that Kim would never do it. And it just made me dislike her more. And that's so tough. Once again, <laughs> I don't want listeners to get too bad. I'm saying, hey, this show made us love Kim in these first five seasons. And yet there has been a change. And watching this scene, once again, I I know what the right thing to do is. And because I knew Kim would never do it, it just, once again, it was, just frustrates me. It's like, oh, ugh. Mm. Well, I think they give the answer, too, because when Suzanne says, um, she says, I know deep down Jimmy is a good guy. And then she goes, yep. it's uh-huh. Saul. He practices under the name of Saul Goodman. But I distinctly remember you referring to him as a scumbag. So she's being like <laughs> arrogant again like yep. with her. Love it. It's, you know, and that's the thing is that um, whenever Jimmy lost his temper, right? And he's done it. He did it to Howard last in front of everyone let's not forget another thing may come back to haunt them that he did that in front of the whole uh all the lawyers and everything in the in the um uh whatever that place is called what's it called (laughs) the courthouse the courthouse thank you i'm getting old people okay um it happens yeah that might come back to haunt him but i think that the difference is is that it, it kim has this viciousness to her that Jimmy has, I don't really think shown to this point. And I think I'm, what I'm wondering is, are we going to get to a point where Jimmy is turned off by this? I wonder how long it can go that she's acting like this, that he stops thinking it's cute. Or stops, the, you know, and starts really blaming because we've already seen him kind of blame himself for this, right? Like, I'm getting you involved in this, blah, blah, blah. What happens if, like you, Bubba, what happens if Jimmy starts seeing Kim through the eyes of Bubba? That's what I wonder Whoa. about because we're starting to see it. How <clears throat> long is it until he sees it? Well, you know, um, I think any honeymoon ends after the honeymoon. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, is that all you got, Bob? I was expecting yeah, I some big. Oh, okay. No, I was actually Finally. suddenly going to go off on my own romantic relationships and saying, "Yeah, well, <laughs> usually get here. sick at about six months." I'm <laughs> kidding, kidding. And so, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So. Uh. I think that's something pot like we don't think about that. Like I said, like I try to think this show does, as you said, Bubba, they subvert expectations and they make you care about it. I mean, hey, they did Walter White, right? Make you love someone and then that person is horrible and acts in horrible ways. But also we have seen that they they are good with showing when other characters see into another character and how they're acting and have realizations about them. 
So I just do really, this, this episode made me thinking like Jimmy is so kind of, there's an article he did a little interview about like, kind of like how he's lost his mojo, you know, and we were talking about it. He, um, like the desert PDSD and Mm -hmm. that conversation he had with Mike and everything that all the change he's been through and still like Chuck's death. And now they're going after Howard and it's all so personal and, and, and hurt. It's just a lot of hurt and pain involved that I wonder if he's going to have a breaking point where he just doesn't want to be horrible to people, you know, but we know he ends up kind of being horrible and breaking bad. So I don't know. I don't know if whatever happens with Kim sends him back that way, but he definitely is kind of not on his a game right now. Yeah, hence the character of Saul Goodman, where in Breaking Bad, he brought, you know, we just we just see Saul Goodman, uh, you know, he he almost has to lose himself into that because yep. of all the yep. pain he's gone through. Mm-hmm. He he has to it's he has to do this other character in real life because, uh, I mean, because think about all he's been through and what he's gonna go through, uh, and he probably has a lot of time to reflect on that, um, in the black and white stuff. I want to say as Clint, as Gene, Clint Howard. I was thinking of another Howard that people are rough to. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with, with the Gene stuff, because he's Cinnabon and just kind of in hiding, if it, 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 think about all the stuff he's thinking about. I mean, he's watching videos of the old commercials yeah, and, yeah. you know, so there's a lot of internal struggle there, which he might have compartmentalized during the Saul years, or, I mean, I know it's been years later, but stuff like that, just, if you don't deal with it, doesn't just go away because of time. Eventually trauma will catch up with you and it's important to attack it and deal with it and do your best to heal. Uh, and we don't know if he's ever really healed over that stuff. Cause you know, remember the season after Chuck died, he was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he yeah, was just, exactly. That's, he was angry and he was lashing out and, um, so, so it's very interesting. Uh, I hope we do get those one or two gene episodes. It'd be great if it's just a gene episode, at least once just to see some of this stuff. And I'm sure they're going to do something to pull it all together. So, um, but, so it'd be, it'd be, yeah, he's, he, you know, we get lost into the slipping Jimmy's and Sandpiper and Mike twitching and all this stuff and cartels, but man that like that desert thing and a lot of movies and stuff that would just have been a, another slice of life right <clears throat> maybe for mike it's it's sort of like that because he's been through a lot of stuff in his time but for a normal person uh that 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 just doesn't go away so uh, i think we really need to keep that in the back of our heads for the future of this show or the end <laughs> I'm interested. You mentioned Gene, and I love the Gene stuff. I'm interested, Bubba, your opinions on where we may be going with Gene and where you think this show is going towards the end. Axel, I want to piggyback on what you. I believe you just said, and that is, I love Gene. I'm fascinated by those Gene time periods. 
I think the show began with Gene, meaning the very first things we saw in episode one was Gene. And so therefore, I think the show has to end with Gene. It has to go back there. Now, I was just actually having this conversation with some family members earlier at dinner today where it was like, well, in Breaking Bad, and once again, Breaking Bad spoilers, listeners, we apologize. Some of those characters passed away, but one of the main characters in Breaking Bad, the last we saw of them, they escaped to a better future and uh, to Alaska, as it were. And so in this case, Saul is the point man. It isn't split between two people. Saul is the point man. Does Saul get a redemption? And does he get to go away and live in Alaska? Or does... Nebraska. Is it Nebraska or Alaska? Oh. He's in Nebraska. Exactly. Oh, but or... you're saying he's going to go to Alaska. Well, th- this is, this is, these are my questions. And so oh. I think at a certain point, it's like Jimmy slash Saul slash Gene is dead in this life at the Cinnabon in Nebraska. And so I think at a certain point, He's going to have to, he's going to get into jams, which we've already seen him in a jam in season five where people recognize him, but he's going to get into a jam where he's going to have to use some of his skills to some of his Saul skills, for lack of a better word, to get himself out of a jam. And it'll almost be uplifting. It'll be like that final moment. It could be the final moment in his life, meaning he does something as Saul that, you know, kind of brings him back to life. And then he suddenly gets, you know, a brutal, breaking bad type death or it could be a thing where he where he pull, calls upon his own saul skills his double s's his saul skills to <laughs> to you know kind of reemerge from this coma he's put himself in at the cinnabon so those are my thoughts and um sadly i don't think we're going to see any of that until part two of season six yeah oh definitely I don't know. I mean, they might give us a little at the I feel like we might get a little at the the last episode of this first part that gives us a taste of what may be to come. But Heath, I caught a little bit of the end of this theory that you were talking about based on the picture. And I think I caught enough to be very interested in this. Mm -hmm. So can you explain this little theory you have? Yes. So I, I, cause you know, my lost mind, some is dormant. Sometimes it'll pop up from time to time. Um, and there's this better call salt screensaver. Like when you pause direct TV, an image comes up and it's on AMC, blah, blah, blah. Then I noticed it while watching last episode, when they cut to commercial, they show this same image, like Saul is brought to you by or whatever. And so I had mentioned to to you very cryptically last week, Axel, and you and because I didn't know if it's a spoiler or if it's I mean, it's not really a spoiler because but I'm putting the the, you know, the curtain up. And if you don't want to listen, I mean, it's not I don't have any information. I didn't this you is know, just a read theory about it. You have this is a theory from an image. Yeah. So the image itself is black and white. Saul as Gene with the mustache and then there's the red coat it's bright red and it looks like he's putting it on don't think he's taking it off it looks more like he would be putting it on so I'm thinking is that foreshadowing that 
we got black and white gene and for him his ending will he become Saul again is, is that possible and is that what the image is showing or is this just you know the merging of two timelines uh as well but it's just the fact that it would seem to be the opposite if that was what the image was you would always have Saul putting on a Cinnabon no, uniform you're, I guess you're, what you're talking about is the main piece of art for the like the poster right. for this season and we hadn't yeah. had a chance to talk about it. that's why i'm glad you bring it up and i think you're absolutely okay, cool yeah i think you're absolutely right and i think other people have mentioned this too i don't know if damn it if i thought the, i was uh, the first one in the whole community well <laughs> i mean i think because you know it looks like he's got that gene mustache oh, right? he totally does yeah and he's putting on any he, and he's in and it's in black and white and the jacket is in color right and it's mm-hmm. the red Saul jacket so yep i think that what you're seeing i mean i think that that very clearly is showing that and i think gives credence to the fact that we're get a lot more gene i think we're going to get a couple episodes of gene i really do heck yeah and i think especially so. especially after nacho biting it so quickly into this season where I thought right. that this could go for two or three or four, maybe even to the, to the last, like what, seven episodes I thought it could go. I thought that this might be how this pod ends. So I definitely think that man, um, how amazing before we get to Bubba's thoughts, how amazing would it be though, that you, you we signed up for us at the beginning of the show, like, a, a prequel to, to Breaking Bad, right? And the fact that we're going to get, we would get more stuff after Breaking Bad <laughs> as know, a treat. Awesome. And not awesome. just El Camino. It's just like, it's almost like you stuck with us for, you know, five, six seasons, six seasons, and you're so dedicated to, to, that as fans, we're going to give you uh, more, you know, more after. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And I, I wonder, I mean, cause do we see Gene early on in the first season? Was that yeah. the first shot? Every right? single see every single scene. So right. Gene scenes are only the first season, the first scene of every season, except for this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there were right. five Gene scenes and they were each the very first scene of the season. Uh, okay. Oh, so they weren't any in any other episode. No. Nope. Oh, okay. But so that, that just, so that, you know, they definitely had that in mind, but I just wonder, cause they originally yeah, were going to be two seasons, to, yeah. uh, they had to. but they, the, the fact that they did that, that's gotta uh, be, that's great. like what Bubba is saying. That has to be the redemption, right? In some way, either, either the reclamation of himself mm-hmm. or the redemption mm-hmm. of the character is, is, is yeah. what Gene has to be. And uh, I look forward to it. One other thing I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention in the beginning of the episode was I love the way, and they always do shit like this, and like they don't have to, but they, but they're just the writing is so tight that they get away with it. Which is that all that shit with Nacho going into the oil tanker and all that shit happened before the end of the 
end of the last episode, <laughs> like that it picked up with the phone call with Mike, but we were like 15 minutes into the episode. I just loved the, we didn't really talk about the way they kind of just mm. like minorly fucked with time. Like, right. That. But uh, I just wanted to mention that because while I was watching it, I was like, that was not really necessary, but it was so cool that they did it that way. That made you feel like you understood where Nacho was coming from when that phone call happened because it was so pivotal that they, you know what I mean? Like they wanted to oh, give us, time. yeah. So I just felt like that was really, again, giving respect to Nacho. Um, well, cause they fooled us a little bit because, because yeah. he was trying to call Mike on the cell phone yeah. with the cell phone. Yep. And so we just thought that is exactly what it was. Oh, he must be at the hotel. And then all this stuff happened. Okay. When did he call Mike? Okay. But then the fact that he called after these events happened is just brilliant. Like it was great to see that lead up and you're right. The manipulation of time, like the Chris Nolan on a <laughs> lower level, <Yeah. laughs> but, but yeah, that, that again, that's something that these creators do and they're so good at. And it give it give you a little treat like that. And I love these little treats. Roof, roof. Right, Bubba? No. In fact, if you bark again, <laughs> I'm leaving. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> I know. I think I feel like I have to end the podcast because Heath started barking. Right. Um, but how about know, this? Hey, I, how about I like this? to bring something new. How about this? I want to, you know, once again, I'm being so tough on Kim, but I almost lost it. When she asked the question that I think we all have to answer. Now, the way she asks the question is, do you want to be a friend of the cartel or do you want to be a rat? And just that framing of the, yes. of the question, <laughs> meaning, do you want to be a rat? Pretty much tells you which option she wants. And that's such a, you know, it's, it's framing it so that there isn't really a choice. You know, do you want to, do you still want to be in bed with drug dealers and killers or do you want to, help the police clean up this town. You know, you could ask, that's kind of the same question, but instead when it's, do you want to be a rat? You know, we know where Kim sits. And so that's another reason why I get so frustrated with her, which means it's a great performance, great character and so on and so on. And so Axel, do you want to be a friend of the cartel or do you want to be a rat? I'm going to be a friend of the cartel, baby. Hell yeah. All right, let's go. That's yeah, the way um, he's yeah, going. As I man. said before, I, I'm a friend of the cartel. Um, but what, what do you think Kim wants, Bubba? Well, because she frames the, the question like that, she wants she doesn't want Jimmy to cooperate with the DAA. Okay, DAA, that's right. Okay. She doesn't want yeah. any she doesn't want any of that. I oh, think you're saying because by her framing it a rat, that's yeah. right. Versus you want to help society. It, right. It, okay, got it, got it. She says that to um to uh Erickson too. She says you want him to be a rat. Mm hmm. Mm. So it's like, you know, right away. And that's it's interesting because that's kind of like something Jimmy would say. That's not, you know, Kim would be like cooperating witness. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We should go. We should go back to Nacho's dad. Yeah. Dad, when, dad when? I miss you. Dad, I miss you so much. Son, if you'd only be a rat. Yeah. I've told you a million times, rat him out. You dirty rat. Um, <laughs> well, when did rats get a bad name? I know rats are bad, you know. I mean, you know, but I'm like, you know, you could have been, do you want, instead of being a rat, do you want to be an elephant? 
and like oh yeah i mean when did who came up with the rat thing you think i mean i guess ratting someone out you know hey hey mike hey hey hey, mike mike how do you feel this rat's not gonna go the way you think it's gonna (laughs) go wait a minute come on all right guys all right we're just talking can, can I also give a shout yeah. out to Huel? I love yes, Huel as a character. Spin him off to yeah. the third show. Sure, that was I a great him. scene too when he talked. When he's like, "You know, you all make good money. You have a good apartment. Oh, yeah. Why are yes. you doing this?" Yeah, he was totally right. He was totally right. There's, lawyer, I mean, there's no other way to say too. it. He was right. It's because they're sad and vengeful and angry. And that's the way they make themselves feel better about themselves. And, and you know, you're right, Bubba. Kim is right there with Jimmy. And uh, I think in a, you know, it makes you think, is this, this really is the real Kim. And the, the Kim that we've seen so far do, is, was that kind of the mask that she was wearing. Or is it that people are capable of being different people? You know, I kind of see it more like that. Honestly, I think Kim is multifaceted. And I think in the same way that Jimmy Gus, you know, like Nacho had, you know, his, his code of honor where the Salamancas were twisted fucks, but he was a good guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, just like Gus thinks that too. Like the Salamancas are somehow dirtier than him, you know. Um, we've seen the shit that Gus is capable of doing, and the gu- shit that Gus will do. So he's not a good dude. <laughs> I guess it just it's just degrees of humanity. But I think that they have. It's interesting. I wonder how far she's going to go, and really how fa- how much Jimmy is going to go along with her, because I feel at some point he's going to come around to Howard. I just, I don't, I just really think Jimmy loves Howard. I really think he kind of sees him as Jimmy like loves Howard. You know, Howard loves Jimmy. Yeah. Well, I want all the daily DVR listeners to weigh in on this right on the Facebook there post on the on the post. I want you to email because I know a bunch are probably frustrated with me with my red hot fire towards Kim. <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell me where to go. Takes. Yeah, the, I, I, it's already coming in. I can feel it. This this podcast hasn't even posted yet, and I and I oh, see man. already. Twitter is on fire. Elon Musk said, "I'm not buying it anymore." I know. I don't want to have to deal with all the all the tweet all the hate tweets at Bubba. But listen, Bubba, even if we do get those hate tweets, we didn't hate having you on the show. We loved having Aww. you on. I love listening to your shows. What are some of the things that you're going to be covered? Because aren't you got? Are you going to do Game of Thrones and the um, Lord of the Rings at the same time? Are you splitting that up? What do you What do you got going on? I'm going to bring up the list right now, and I want podcast listeners to prepare your ears for some completely random TV shows that have nothing to do with each other. We <laughs> oh, tend to nice. talk about them it. anyway. So coming up on May 25th, 2022, actually, that scratch. That's yeah, my 27th. birthday. It's oh, my birthday is the 25th. Days later, so. it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll be talking about, wow. hello there, Obi-Wan, as he comes back. We'll also be doing our infamous Let's Solve Only Murders in the Building podcast, oh, where we break down all the clues nice. as Only Murders in the Building returns on June 28th on Hulu. Find somebody else's login and password. 
hey, we're also going to be talking <laughs> Babylon Berlin season four on Netflix, House of the Dragon season one on HBO, The Lord of the Rings. This title goes on forever. The Rings of Power have power and rings, and they are owned <laughs> by lords. Coming up, we've got Andor season one coming up. Magpie Murders, a PBS show. Boy, Damn. who knew we were so fancy in September? We've got uh, 1899, Ooh. another Netflix show. Oh, coming. yes, Dark. The Mandalorian, season three, you know, in December. And at some point, his dark materials will also be out. You may be thinking, do those shows have anything in common? If you know, write to us. We'll use it in our promotion because we have no idea how they're common together. <laughs> you can find out about all the crazy things we talk about on social media at double phq that's word double single letter p is in podcast hq for headquarters at double phq facebook.com slash double phq and know that you will be getting a step down from these two wonderful hosts i've had the wonderful opportunity to talk with today so thank you guys for inviting me in this season it's 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 really going to blow our minds i promise you that Ooh, that's a lot of those are a lot a lot of shows man Wow, that's a lot of that's coverage. Lot. I know we're no. doing this, then we're doing Game of Thrones. Maybe we'll yeah. maybe we'll get to Westworld, and then that's it. Mm. We're done. What? <laughs> we're doing three. I thought that was a lot. Guys, buy some damn cufflinks. Let's get these guys doing more shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Seriously. Yeah. All right. We got a Star City murder. Wear your cufflinks when you oh, go to the premiere, yes. baby. Yeah, the special Star City murder cufflinks will be out yes. in twenty twenty three. Yeah, we got to record a podcast for that. Actually, talk about some of oh, the yeah. scenes. So, yeah, we we do have to do what we do for one. Yep. Yes, sir. All right, all right, yep. everybody. Bubba, you're amazing. Heath, you're incredible. Axel, you're <laughs> you. What an episode, Nacho. We love you. The oh, acting, man. the shots. Yep. Better call Saul, man. It just it doesn't stop. And next week we will be back. We'll decide. We'll let Heath decide whether we have a guest next week or whether it's just us. What do you want to do, Heath? Live on the show? I'll let you decide. Let's let's bring a guest on, baby. Okay, let's I, do it. I let's will do bring it. Another guest on for next week It'll because be it's less I have to do. It's less <laughs> I have to do, which is fantastic. <laughs> I love that. I lo- that is the best reason to have a guest on a podcast. Why not? They can talk, and you can just kind of close your eyes and. Take like a little breath. Bubba, close my eyes. Like Bubba being on, I'm like, I knew I don't have to bring my A game, maybe for a couple of things, but I know Bubba's going to set me up. Yep. And Axel's going to set me up. It's perfect. Exactly. And then if I'm daydreaming, then they repeat the setup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just going to go get some chicken nachos and I'm done. All right, baby. Chicken nachos it is. Take care, everyone. You fucking twisted scumbags. Ha, ha, ha.